Welcome to the sixth edition of the Skyhook. I'm James K, and right now you are listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. If you can't listen to the whole show because you are too busy being a human being, hey, no worries. You can find the archived version of this show on Apple Podcast or Podbean by simply typing in the Skyhook Podcast on either of those search engines. You can also email us at the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us and I encourage you to do so and so I got a chance to talk with my old media buddy from last summer Chris Kwasinski and we talked yesterday about a whole ton of sky stuff hey we're short on time the episode ran long so let's just get right to it here's me and Chris's conversation from yesterday so Chris I think the sky put a lot of people on notice just for how they Demolished the sun when most WNBA fans went into this game thinking that it would at least be close. And, I mean, the sky limited Jonquil Jones. They didn't turn the ball over in the ways that we've seen them do in the past two seasons. And really early on this season, they've cleaned it up a little bit early, like in the last few games. But after the game, Cheyenne Parker confidently stated that the sky are now the team to beat after beating Connecticut. Is she right? Like, are the sky the team to beat in the WNBA right now? You know, I, I I love the confidence. You have to love the confidence of someone that's really coming into her own. You know, Cheyenne's really taken a step this year, and people are really putting her name out there for the sixth woman of the year. But at the same time, I don't think that the team to beat yet. You can't be six and four, you know, lose at home to the Mystics and be the team to beat. And that's not a shot in the sky because the Mystics are, I think, the best team in the W right now. And when it comes down to it, you know, do you. Those, those four losses really stand out and you can't be the team to beat if people have beat you already and um, I understand they're on a hot streak and they look really good like like you mentioned you you don't beat the you know the suns with the best record in the, in the league and really have nothing to say for it but at the same time uh, you know they still got a few things to work out but once they get Katie Lou back once Jameer comes back and they maybe can find a spot for Chloe Jackson to kind of enter that rotation and they can get bodies and kind of figure out where people are playing and maybe if Diamond gets some more consistent from three-point range, they are they will be the team to beat because, you know, at that point, the you know the, the wins will start coming in and they'll just look just that much clean, that much better, and just have much more personnel to look on to. I completely agree with you. And I think we have to temper our expectations with this team while not undervaluing what they bring night to night. And, I mean, let's just call it what it is. They are a vulnerable contender. They have proven they have the resiliency and depth to compete with any of these teams, especially at home. Like they've actually proven to have a really solid home court advantage, but they have some holes that make their room for error very small. And they don't have the star power that a lot of other top teams in the league have right now. And like those, it's the top three teams in the league in the mystics aces and sun they don't have the star power that those teams have. And I think one of the problems that comes with not having that star power is that they don't have that person at the end of the game that they can rely to to just get that basket that they just desperately need. And they, I don't know, I feel like Salute has been incredibly clutch for this team. And she, I mean, she's been the difference maker once again for this team. But her being the closer isn't really maximizing what she can do as a facilitator on the court. And I mean, she shouldn't be the closer. That's not the role that she excels at. And I don't know. I mean, if you look at the other players around the court, I mean, Allie Quigley isn't getting free at the end of games because she's just getting swarmed by teams. And Diamond hasn't really been as consistent as a go-to score either. So, I mean, this team has holes outside of the depth and upside that they have, and they have the toughness to make a run and stay at the top of the league for the rest of the season. But I don't know, Chris, I mean, do you view Diamond as the closer of this team? I feel like we, I mean, ideally she's going to step up into the two-way superstar that we all kind of imagine her being. And I don't know. I mean, in terms of viewing this team as in like being the team to beat, like Cheyenne said, and to her credit, she said that at the end of the Sun game, like or after the Sun game, so it wasn't after this most recent game against the Mystics. But, I mean, your mind, because of the lack of star power, I mean, they're going to have to turn to someone, and it has to be Diamond to Shields, right? 
it's a good point that you brought up. I'm really glad you said the word star power because uh, when you look at their game against the Mystics, you have Elena Deladon going off for 22 points. That's their go-to player, and she's the best player in the NBA. She's the or the WNBA, and she's the best player in the Mystic period. With the Sky, we don't know, in my opinion, who's the best player on the team is right now. We might know in a few weeks. We might know in a month. But right now, you know, it's still a toss-up between Courtney, Alley, and Diamond. Diamond, if she's more consistent with her shot, you know, we've seen her have, you know, just just completely go off offensively. Like, we know that she's an offensive catalyst. But at the same time, if she's shooting three for 15 from the floor in a game that it's decided by seven points, you know, that's it's hard to label her as the best player on the team. But at the same time, you know, you look at the other stats she's got, you know, nine rebounds against the Mystics, that kind of stuff. You look at, you know, Courtney with six, you know, six more assists and that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's difficult when I look at the team like this and say, okay, they have the power to compete with the bigger teams. It's, they, they do, but it's just not fleshed out yet. You know, give Diamond another week. I think she's instead of her her low isn't three for fifteen. Her low is you know seven for fifteen. That kind of stuff. You know, it, it's just about being consistent and getting hot and catching fire at the right time. The Mystics are lucky because they have Elena Delvin, but they also have Christy Tolliver and Ariel Atkins behind them, the two solid offensive players. Ariel, I mean, is probably one of the most underrated offensive powers in the league. Coming, you know, with Elena right there leading the charge, but at the same time, you know. That's a team that went to the finals last year. So it's it's an interesting dynamic, and I'm sure we'll figure it out more as we go on. I agree. I mean, they have no choice but to figure, figure this thing out. And it's not a big concern necessarily, just 10 games into the season. But there's a lot of moving pieces with this team. So that is one of the things we should be looking out for the rest of the season. But moving forward... I'm torn about talking about this most recent Mystics game. And, I mean, they had, I don't know, I feel like they just, they lost in the same way that we've seen them lose before. And it's kind of like the same thing, like how they lost, it's the same, uh, they lost in the same way they lost against the Mystics the first time around. And, I mean, they, you know, they had 12 turnovers in the first half compared to the Mystics too. I don't know. I mean, is there any really more that we need to talk about in terms of like dissecting this game? Because I just feel like that alone just did them in. I mean, they only lost by seven today. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good point. And this is just the same the same thing we talked about in the last podcast, where you see the old habits rearing their ugly heads. You know, seventeen turnovers leading to seventeen points. I mean, you you take away two of those turnovers, and you know you potentially take four points off the board. So instead of losing by seven, they lose by three, you know? So there's just that entire, there's just that entire dynamic to it. And it's hard to look at the Mystics game as, you know, okay, like this is a good test of where they're at because, you know, at the same time, they, you know, they didn't just beat the sun a couple of days ago. They, they manhandled them. Like they, they played really well, but, and this is just a, I think this is just a part of it is, you know, this, this team is still has some problems that they need to fix. And before they can, clearly call themselves you know contenders and like Cheyenne was trying to say so it's just part of it just part of the growing process under a new coach agree and I think that the, like we should be excited I mean if you're going into this season and you're going to say that the sky are a vulnerable contender and like they're maybe not quite there like but I don't know that um that they were going to be in playoff contention especially at the top of the WNBA I feel like most Sky fans would be thrilled by that prospect and would probably say that you're like, you know, that I'm dreaming when I say that at the beginning of the season. Like, this is a good spot to be in. And I think this team should be proud. And I think they are proud of where they're at right now. Um, sorry, yeah, you... they should be. No, I was going to say they should be. I mean, you look at the AP poll every week and you see the Sky are continually sitting within the top five. You know, that's, that's a good spot. And it's a very good spot to be, especially in this kind of a year where there's you know stars missing where teams aren't necessarily as good as they have been it just shows that they know they you know they they have the talent to be there they just need to flush it out more absolutely so we had an interesting conversation the other day just about i mean after the sky played the sun just about like coach of the year candidates and i just said to you right now who would you pick like kurt or James Wade, or maybe there's another candidate out there, but like those two to me are the front runners. Like, do you th- like 
Do you feel like we were watching the two top coach of the year candidates when the sky played the sun? If so, like who would you pick at, at like at this point in the season? I know we're only like ten games in now, but no, yeah, and an early on candidate. I, I think it's I think it's fair to assume that Wade and Kurt are gonna be there. If, it, if it's one two or one three or you know whatever they the dominoes fall as they may, but the thing we have to look at is you know James Wade took a team the same virtual team from last year, save for Katie Lou, save for Chloe Jackson and and a couple other pieces, you know, Gentel, but he took that team and flipped it. You know, they were three and six last year. You know, before the Mystics game, they were they were six and three. You know, they literally a flip flop from the year before. It's really important to note that with the, the same exact team that Amber Stocks had, and and you know, and I and I really believe this one quote from him after they lost the Fever was was one thing that really got me in his Coach of the Year bandwagon. He said, "No, after what." He told his team when they were down 20 points, he said, I apologize. I felt like I let the refs get to me early in the game. And when you do that, it takes the focus away from what we need to be doing. Uh, you say, I'm being a rookie coach. I can't let that get to me and it won't happen again. That's the kind of thing that I look at when I say, okay, is he coach of the year? He might be because he's learning. Every game this guy has, he's taking something away from it, and especially against the, the Mystics too. You know, he, you look at all the stuff and they talk about the difference in the game, you know, saying you can't win games like that in a league when they score 17 off 17 turnovers. You know, that, and that's the kind of thing that I look for. And Kurt, I don't want to downplay his success because you don't have the best record in the league up to your luck. But, you know, when they lose Shanae Ogumike and they still have the best record in the league, like that, that says a lot. You know, that to me says a lot out of a coach, of a fiery guy like Kurt. He's really doing his best. And I've really got to give him credit, but. I I lean towards James Wade in this situation. I agree. I don't want to be a homer like saying that, but I do think like the best case for Wade is what you just outlined. They took like not they he took a bottom feeder with virtually the same roster, adding Jantel Lavender not at the beginning of the preseason, but at the end of the preseason, so that she just was thrown into the fire. And I mean, he's able to take this bottom feeder and propel this team to the conversation of just being an upper echelon team. And I think that actually kind of hurts Kurt in this situation. Cause like, while he did lose a star, like the sun were 21 and 13 last year and they yeah. replaced that star with like with uh, John Quell Jones, who's probably going to win MVP this year. At least she's on that. She's on a torrid pace right now. She's doing incredible, but right. so like the best case for James Wade is what you just said. And then you all, and like when I think of coach of the year, I also think of like this is a award about circumstance. And the Sky have dealt with a lot of injuries this year. And you got to just factor in. So you lose Katie Lou. You, a student adore is now, uh, I think she's still playing in, yeah, no, she's definitely still playing in Europe right now. You, ha- I mean, Jamira's been hurt the entire season. And Chloe Jackson, I mean, I wasn't really, I don't think that she was really going to be a big factor in this season. Uh, no matter what, she just doesn't. I don't think she just fits the style that James Wade really plays, and I think that they kind of already have a player like her in Kalia Copper. But you know, he's also experimented with Gabby at the one. And he's just done all these different things to maximize everybody's talents on this team, and it's been incredible. I mean, I really think that that alone, just based, again, just based on circumstance here, just with all the injuries and everything, that. He has to be the coach of the year, and it, it stinks for Kurt because I really I mean if you were to tell me that he was going to win uh, coach of the year, I'd be totally fine with that because he's, I mean the team basketball that the Sun play, it's it's just beautiful. It's poetry in motion. Actually, I hate saying that expression, but I mean that's literally what it is. Like they're, it's like while they have that one star in like John Quell, everybody else around just like seems to just move perfectly and get. They just work so well as a team. And I think that, actually, I think you kind of make, I said this in last week too, but last year's Sun team kind of reminds me of this year's Sky team in terms of like what they look like and how they'll probably project towards the end of the season. But, um, yeah, no, I think that, I'm glad that we're on the same page with that one. I put up a Twitter poll yesterday that had, uh, and 58% of the people who voted on it said that James Wade should be the, um coach of the year so 
we're yeah, we're chilling on the bandwagon here with that. So, Chris, I am just a week removed from dealing with a personal tragedy, and I just gonna have to ask you to bear with me as I try to get through this next segment. But I just have to discuss this. Um, most professional sports teams have complained to Reddit that the illegal streams on its website and um, you know, Reddit, because of those complaints, has now taken down most of them, and we can no longer watch our favorite sporting events for free. I'm devastated. Like, most people out there, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with all of my time now. I really, like, it's all, uh, it's over. But, I'm, I mean, I just lost, like, 40 hours of my week next fall when I can't watch the NBA constantly. But, oh, my God. So, I guess we can do a, put a, a positive twist on this. And talk about the best WNBA League Pass team because we all pay for it, and awesomely, it's like seventeen dollars for the entire season. So, besides that, I'm sorry that terrible joke for the lead up to this. But do the Sky take home the belt for best League Pass team right now, or I mean, do you have someone else in mind that you think is the best League Pass team? Yeah, you know, to me, it's really hard to get, you know, to get over or just really look at the league pass roster and you could say like, well, I want to watch someone else besides the Vegas Aces to watch that experiment in motion, you know, watching a Sin City team coached by Bill Lambier that features Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Liz Kembeige, Jackie Young, Kalen McBride. And to me, you know, I'm going to watch the Aces just because of, you know, being a Notre Dame fan, I can see Jackie Young and Kalen McBride light it up on a daily basis. But, you know, this is, <laughs> that's just my personal takes. But when it comes down to it, I don't think the Sky are there yet. I think once Diamond starts to get more consistent offensively, then maybe they are. Because when she's on offensively, she not only gets better you know, as a shooter, but she also gets better as a passer. We've seen her make some incredible passes. Uh, same with Gabby Williams. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to beat the Aces. It's hard to beat the Aces just with the notoriety factor. Um, I would have to watch them. And, and even a close second or even tied with the sky at second, I would say are the sparks. I mean, when you have uh, Derek Fisher coaching a team, that's you know, Candace Parker led still. I mean, it's hard to, to put that stardom down and put it in a drawer and close it and just forget about it. Cause that's the reason why you would want the league pass in my opinion, you know, to watch the stars, to watch the best games. And until the, until the sky can really establish himself as, you know, not just a teeter tottering contender, not a flawed contender, but one that has that can play to its strengths and challenge every team, then, then I'd say, yeah, they're the team to watch in the League Pass. But right now, I can't look away from the Aces when I'm watching League Pass. I hate that we're agreeing so much on this show already, but yeah, the Aces are definitely the most fun League Pass team. So I'll, I won't just repeat everything that you just said because I was going to say <laughs> the same thing. So let's make the case for the Sky, though. So I think the, that... Like, general basketball fans, the thing that they get most excited about, especially post-Steph Curry, like how he just changed the game of basketball, how everyone takes threes from elementary school through, like, the old dudes that you see and old women that you see take shots at the gym. Right. I think that three-point shooting has to be one of the reasons that, like, for people to just invest themselves in a team, like, I think that... Allie Quigley, because she's the reigning or two-time reigning uh, three-point WNBA champion from the three-point contest. Like, she's someone that I think that excites a lot of people. I think that she alone could be one of the reasons why people should be excited for this guy, even if you're just a general WNBA fan. Just the quick trigger. I'm just a sucker for it. Um, how about, like, Courtney Vandersloot being one of the greatest passers of all time? She always has one play during the game where you're just blown away by what she does like fundamentally or at the end of uh I think it was at the end of the first half against the sun she had like a steal at half court and then had a buzzer a buzzer beating layup at the end oh yeah yeah that well, was a phenomenal play oh my god well I was there uh in the media section I'm like oh my god is she gonna get it off and like you just see her that that touch at the end she was unbelievable that game as well um yeah, I mean, I think those two alone, and I think that, again, like we talked about already, once Diamond does grow into that, like, superstar, that's all they're missing, right? Because, I mean, like you just said, it's about star power. She, I think she is going to be a superstar in this league. It's hard, though, like, when she is, she does have these, like, these off nights. And, I mean, you could also say that about Cheyenne as well. Like, she's a very exciting player to watch. Just her, 
shot blocking ability and her ferociousness in the paint is also something like I just like teams with personalities and that they show it on the court. And I feel like the Sky are that team. And I, I guess you can also say that about the Aces, which is why they should hold the belt right now for best league pass team. But I don't know. I mean, like, what else would, could you say about the Sky that would make them in the contention for them being one of the best league pass teams? Yeah, I think you just laid it out. Uh, honestly, when it comes down to it, when you have personalities like Gabby, when you have personalities like Diamond, you know, players that offensively are just stand out you got to understand that they can go off at any time. Um, when you have Courtney as one, like you said, one of the best passers in WNBA history, I think that's just something you have to look towards. You have to keep track of and say, like, you know, this is a team that could put out top 10 plays just on a dime, just, you know, with a snap of their finger. But uh, I think we're also underestimating Gabby Williams here. Mm-hmm. I, I love her athleticism. I, I know she made a really, really solid uh, cut to the basket with, from a pass from Diamond, I believe, during the Mystics game. And it was just a phenomenal play. I mean, you—that's someone that athletically you can't you can't forget about. And you know, when she when she's on to, I mean, I think athletically you have to watch a team like that on lead pass. I agree, and. In Gabby's case, I think it's interesting because she's not someone that's going to blow you away with her box score numbers necessarily. Like, she's someone that you kind of have to appreciate when you watch her live or on League Pass because, I mean, the Sky are such an even-keeled team. And they, I mean, they play, they have like an eight-person rotation right now, eight, nine-person rotation. And, I mean, when you watch Gabby, you, you, you kind of just marvel at what like the versatility that she opens up for this team i guess and that she provides to this team because i mean again the the box numbers the box score numbers aren't going to blow you away but she's someone that can play one through four and if you want variety in this league or like variety of the style the types of basketball that are being played i mean the sky do shake it up a bit just because i mean they have a lot of interesting pieces or um you know they have a lot of interesting pieces that they're putting together still and trying to figure out what lineups work. And that's why I think they're one of the best league pass teams. So let's break down the next three games for the sky since they all come before next week's show. So the sky hit the road and they play the storm in Seattle tomorrow, or I should say Friday because we're recording this Wednesday. But um, so they play Seattle on Friday before they go South to face the sparks next Sunday and they will play half a kind of your team, Chris. They play the Aces next Tuesday. Um, I know you're <laughs> you don't want me to call you uh, call the Aces your team because you're from Chicago, but um, hey, you're out there now, so I'm gonna go go with it. Um, <laughs> let's start off with um, let's start off with the team they have already played twice this season and have beaten twice. So just for the audience, so. Just so, like so, they know we are going to give one relevant stat heading into each respective matchup. So, so it's kind of exactly what we did last week with Ari Graham, who joined me on to do the same thing. So, um, yeah. With all that said, Chris, what is your first relevant stat for the Sky heading into Seattle? Uh, my relevant stat would be four of eight, and that was Ali Quigley's three point line, uh, three point numbers against the Mystics. On Wednesday, uh, I don't think in the previous two matchups she had that kind of three-point aptitude that she, that she had against the Mystics, and they still won those games. But you know, if she's cooking from three while also cooking from the floor, I, it's hard to. I mean, that's that's an offensive power that the Sky, I don't say thrive on, but once you give the Sky like once you spot them twenty points from Allie Quigley, like you just have one or two other people to click and then they win that game, especially against a, a hobbled team, a hobbled storm team, which might be without Jewel Boyd. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's been another interesting subplot for this Chicago Sky season, honestly, because I don't think we've seen the best version of Ali Quigley this season, honestly. I mean, I think that, and this is really only going off of the eye test, but it seems like that she either has her three-point shot going, but then she's not able to operate inside the perimeter, where I think she's actually quite underrated, especially if you look at her tape from when she was in Italy. But 
it feels like she's not able to be the incredible three-point shot maker that she is and able to have that inside the perimeter presence that we've seen her like use before and like it's made her a great scorer and yeah i do think that we haven't seen the best version of ali quigley just be just because uh i mean teams are still hounding her like they did in the second half of last season so i do think that's something that we do have to keep an eye on so yeah i mean i agree with you um i my relevant stat going into this game against seattle is 19.5 turnovers that is how many turnovers this team has averaged in the two games against the Storm this season. Like, that simply cannot happen. Jordan Canada, I think she had seven steals by herself in the home opener at Wintrust. Like, this team is still in the bottom ten in turnovers per game. And, I mean, they've still been able to pull out some impressive victories despite all those turnovers. But we have to kind of look at the big picture here. And I think that the Sky do consider themselves to be a contender but we have to look at the numbers because I think I glossed over this in last week's episode. But there has only been one team since 2003 that has been in the bottom 10 in turnovers per game and has also won the finals. And that one team was the Detroit Shock in 2003 with 17.9. Oh, wow. 17. I know, right? They're not even a team anymore. Kind of crazy. But I mean, they had 17.9 turnovers per game. I have no idea how they won that series. I wasn't paying attention to uh basketball in general back then but everyone else that has won since 2003 has been in the top nine in turnovers per game and didn't commit over 16 turnovers per game in the regular season the sky are at 15.8 as we speak and they've actually looked okay in terms of turning the ball over like uh well before the mystics game i should say i mean they had like 10 turnovers back-to-back games and I think 11 against the Sun I mean the 15.8 turnovers per game probably doesn't really tell like what this team is actually doing honestly like I think they turn the ball like I think them like they do turn the ball over like they're closer to that 16 number than they are to that 10 number in terms of how they run the offense right now and like how they look and I think that they need to prove that to themselves that they can take care of the basketball and they should do it against a team that has given them the hardest time facilitating the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's just move forward against, um, to like next Sunday against the Sparks. So what is your relevant stat for this matchup? My relevant stats, uh, 9.5 versus 6.7. That's 9.5 rebounds per game for Neka Okumike versus 6.7 rebounds for Gentile Levender. When you're up against a team like the Sparks that has two Ogumikes <laughs> and a shine, and excuse me and a Candace Parker, you cannot you cannot be that lackluster on the boards. You need to be assertive. You need to be aggressive. I mean, because Candace is. I mean, we've seen her before in action where she's you know in the in the you know the Slayer mood where she will just turn on and just absolutely just destroy teams. Um, but we've also seen. You know, Neca being, you know, being a former MVP herself, there's nothing to sneeze at there. So, and add in Shanae and Chelsea Gray, this is a team that can bear you if you give them the opportunity. So that's also, you know, it goes into defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds. If you can't rebound against this team, they're going to put you in the ground, especially, you know, with the killer personalities they have. I think you're spot on with that. And, I mean, one of the biggest problems for the Sky, even going back to last year, is just rebounding. I mean, like, keeping people off the offensive glass. And you're going to have a hard time with four All-Stars in Gray, Candace Parker, and the Ignumike sisters. So, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. I do think that the rebounding is something that they're going to have to keep in mind with here. I mean, Jantel was a monster against the Sun with rebounding. I think she had, like, 13 rebounds or something crazy like that. Um, they yeah. have the talent to do so. It's just execution. And that's, I mean, even dating back to last year, the Sky had, they had talent. It's just being able to execute and take teams out in the paint. So my relevant stat for this matchup is that opponents are shooting 42.2% from three-point land when the Sparks lose, but shoot 31.1% from three when the Sparks win. The Sky take and make the fifth most threes in the W. So... This team doesn't necessarily like live and die by the three, 
but they have like six players on this team that are really capable of making threes. And I mean, Stephanie Dolson has been a, a fantastic surprise for the sky this season in terms of her three point shooting ability. Um, I think she actually has a higher percentage than Allie Quigley, but um, you know, they, like I'm saying, like they're capable of making these threes. And I mean, this season has already proven to be um, like the Sparks just need to stop the three point ball from going in. And like, they need to put pressure at the perimeter if they want to win this. And you also have to factor in this matchup that Candace Parker has struggled since she's come back from injury and she's had two one for nine performances. And I think, I forget when it was, but she had like a three for 10 effort as well. She only had 12 points. I mean, she is an MVP and a champion, you know, and I think she isn't at a hundred percent, but they need her to be successful down the road. And she is too good to continue this rough stretch, but I'm not sure if this is the game where she's able to like ease back into things, but maybe it is four games. I mean, what's the over under on Candace's points in this next matchup? Like, what would you, I'm going to set it at 16. Is that, would you take the over or under on that one? I would take the over because she's always, always so good against this guy. doesn't matter what it is. I don't know if you were at the game last year when we were covering the team, but Candice, there was like a point against, it was LA versus Chicago and Chicago is down by a lot. And Candice stole the ball from someone and had no one in between her and the hoop. And she looked behind her and saw no one was chasing her. And she looked like she was a, gonna try to attempt to dunk but right at the last <laughs> second she said nah and then laid it in and then everyone in the media section was dying laughing oh my god that... uh, yeah I, me- I remember that one uh, because I asked her about that after the game uh, we were in the locker room I, I asked her like were you thinking about dunking that at all and she gave me this look like and she's like nah nah man uh, there's no way I was gonna get up there I was like oh come on Oh my god, that would have been so great. I would have loved that, just sports center top play. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, she could recover in this game, but, I mean, again, if anyone's going to do it, it's like Candace Parker. I mean, she's just one of my favorite athletes on and off the court. Gotta love Candace, especially on Twitter. But next Tuesday, the Sky take on your side team. I was just going to call them that. Um, The Las Vegas Aces... What stats should this guy keep in mind going into this one? I think it's 81 steals. Uh, 81 mm. steals that the, that the Aces have, uh, mainly because it's just, that's, a, that's the turnover factor that the Sky has that they need to keep, you know, that they need to keep in mind, especially when you sell it, when they have a superstar team like the Mystics with Elena Deladon and with a team like the Aces who are just packed with star talent, but also just talent in general. You have to take care of the ball because if you don't take care of the ball, the turnovers lead to points. That's three points for teams that can light it up. I mean, you have Kaylin, Kaylin McBride, Kelsey Plum, who can shoot from three flawlessly, but then you also have Jackie Young, who can play anywhere in the court. But then Cam Beige, who is Cam Beige, and then Asia Wilson that will back you down and you know <laughs> play you hard in the paint. I mean, they can score from anywhere, and you can give them the opportunity; they will take advantage of it. And this guy will. They'll lose big if they you know, do the same thing that they did against the Mystics. You know, they were lucky to lose by seven with, 20, with 17 turnovers. But at the same time, hey, you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. Just like Wade said again after the Mystics game. I mean, the turnovers are the thing that, like, that's the biggest thing out of all this. People always talk about the defensive rating from last year and how they're at the bottom of the league. And obviously, that's a big reason for why they were the second worst team in the league last, or maybe not the second worst, but they were, you know, one of the worst teams in the league last year. It's turnovers. Like, it's serious. Like, I just gave that stat about the champion, like, you know, past champions and how they don't turn the ball over. This team just needs to find a way to, when Sloot is off the court, I know she turns the ball over a little, like, a decent amount, but, that I mean, she's the, the number one facilitator on this team, so that's just going to happen. They have to not turn the ball over. And, like, again, like, against... The better teams in the league, like this is the sky's biggest test, and that's what's going to prepare them for the playoffs if they are able to get there. And I think they will. But I mean, we're in the same like in the same lane here <laughs> again, just agreeing more on the show. But my relevant stat was it's lame, but the stat is that they have three bona fide superstars. The sky have done an incredible job stopping opponent superstars from going off. I mean, besides Elena yesterday, but. This is the most star-studded lineup they are going to face this season. Like, 
you can, like last game against the Sun, they held John Quell Jones to 11 points and she only shot the ball, I mean, she shot the ball under 10 times. And they don't, they're not going to have that luxury of being able to hone in on one superstar. Like they've done it also against Natasha Howard against the Storm this season. Like they're able to allow team, like the team's best player to like have a good game, like get those 18, 20 points that you expect them to get, but not let them reach a certain, like um, to get past that. They don't let them like explode. Like, like we've seen teams do against this guy in the past. So this is going to be their biggest test. And when they face this type of lineup, and this is what I feel like this is the game where we really know, like we can really fully understand like what the identity of the sky is going to be and like what their potential is going to be because they're going to, if they want to make a deep run, they're going to have to find a way to beat teams like the aces. And this is the team that I really do worry about. I mean, because they can't do what they did last year against Dallas when they had Liz. Like they tripled team Liz last year when they, uh, when they won against the Wings last year. They can't do that. They just have, like you said, they have Kayla, they have Kelsey, and they have Asia, who, I mean, I can't say, like, enough good things about Asia Wilson. Um, so, actually, let's go through these really quickly. Just what's your gut reaction with the like, the outcomes of these? So, they face the Storm on Friday. Who do you think wins that one? I think the Sky win that one. I mean, they've shown a penchant for having the Storm's numbers so far this season, but also... Uh, it depends on if Jewel Boyd's out. Jewel Boyd's out, but I think this guy could have pretty easy going with that game because their main offensive weapon is gone. I mean, how can they... <laughs> I mean, with all the injuries that they've dealt with this season, how could they lose another stud and be able That's to pull this awful. one out? Yeah, it's uh, it's such a shame. I, I don't want to go into another rant about the injuries because I've done that too many times on this show. <laughs> um, so for Sunday against... Excuse me, against the Sparks. Who do you think pulls that one out? I, I can't bet against Candace, uh, mainly because watching, <laughs> like, like we talked about just before, watching her against the Sky last year, she plays super well against the Sky. It doesn't matter who the coach is, it doesn't matter who's on the court. She has the Sky's number, and she will continue to have the Sky's number. I think she wins, especially uh, they're at home, I believe. So uh, there's no way that there's no way that Candace loses in the Sky. Not at home, you know, not. It's, it's just not in her blood. I think I have to agree with you with that one. I, I Going into this, I was like, oh, you know, Candace is still trying to bounce back. But it's like, wait, no, it's Candace Parker. Like, don't overthink this one. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that, I mean, they do struggle on the road. I think they, they still need to prove something to us just like before we can say, like, that they're a true road warrior, even though WNBA history suggests that you don't need to be amazing on the road in order to really be a top six team. But, um... I'll get, I can go through those stats at some other time. But for the sake of time, um, for Tuesday, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to go with the Aces, but who do you think wins? Uh, you know, it, yeah. it's difficult. And I know we just talked about this, and we talked about the key stats and that, all that kind of thing, but one thing that stands out to me the most this year is that the Sky have an assist-to-turnover ratio of 1.28. So for every 1.2 assists they have, they, you know, they throw a turnover, but... That's third best in the league right now. To me, the turnover problem exists. It's still there, but it's not as consistent as it was last year. If they can keep that down, they can keep that down. They really have a chance. You know, limiting the Aces' offensive opportunities and capitalizing on their own. The Aces have the best defensive rating in the, in the league right mm-hmm. now. They are the best defensive team, but offensively, they're number eight. You know, they're the eighth best offensive rating, you know, offensively rated team in the league. So when it comes down to it, it's just capitalizing on your own offense and making sure you don't give the Aces more offensive opportunities than you know than they bargained for. So I think the Sky can come out of this one with a win. I think Diamond is a good enough player on the wing to defend Kelsey and Kayla McBride very well. I think Jensel Lavender is good defensively, and it all depends on the step Dolson's up to the challenge of Cam Beige. We, we know she is, because she's been able to get into the heads of players before, like Brittany Kleiner. We saw him Brittany get ejected, but, you know, either probably unintentional, unintentionally slapped Steph Dolson when they were in the paint. Uh, but um, that's just how it goes. You know, she gets into the head of players, and she can really shut them down. And at the same time, I mean, you also have Gabby, who's also a phenomenal defender, too, so... 
if, if they play their defense well, they play their cards right, if they can pass well, be protective of the ball, I think they win this one. Wow, I am surprised by this one, honestly. I mean, I wa- I hope that you're right. I really do. I still think, I, I, I don't think they're going to overpower the Aces here. I think like we talked about before the show, just about how, I don't think the Aces record really represents like where they were. Like those first two games to me seem like a fluke. And I know that like when you're trying to p- compile, like when you compile all this great talent and it, I mean, it looks fantastic on paper. Like when you add... I think all the starters for Las Vegas, they are all, um, what was it? I think they're all at least over, like third overall picks from the, like dating back to like a few years ago. Like they're all amazing. And like you have, you add all these like really like these key pieces, but getting it all to work together sometimes, I mean, like it's hard. We just saw this with, uh, I know I won't bring up the NBA, but like my Celtics team, they just, you know, they fell apart despite having like, five all-stars on the team it's like that doesn't always translate and I think a lot of people were worried about that at the beginning of the season I it's hard to be like have the amount of talent they have and not be able to push forward I feel like and that I mean that's just in my brain right now I just I'm trying to picture like how Stephanie is going to be able to back down like not back down but maybe like uh you know absorb the physicality of Liz Cambage in the post when she goes up against her like it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I think that Stephanie has more of an offensive advantage over Campage than the other way around. Just like, uh, just because of how like Stephanie's been able to shoot from three, but also like she just pulls every true center away from the baskets and really opens up slashers like Diamond and Gabby, honestly. But let's move to something a little bit more fun here. Oh, well, not fun, but you know, it's it's interest. Like I think it's interesting just because Space Jam Two is coming out in twenty twenty one. But the lineup has already been announced, and I mean NBA players were expected and whatever to be on the cast list. But I was pleasantly surprised, and I don't know if you were surprised by this, but Diana Taurasi and the Agnumake sisters are on the cast list as well. Are you excited for this movie? And are you excited now that WNBA players are like going to be in it for sure? Oh yeah, I'm yeah, I'm definitely definitely more excited that W players are going to be in it now. I mean. Like, yeah, bringing LeBron out was great. And, you know, I, I've, I've had this discussion before of who should have been the star for Space Jam 2. And through, um, let's, let's call it scientific research, there's some scientific research. I know someone that came out and said that it shouldn't be LeBron, the star in Space Jam 2. It should be Blake Griffin. What? And I can't remember, I can't remember the exact argument, but there was a really good argument for it. You know, and at the end of the day, you know it's it's LeBron now, so you can't you can't say anything, you can't go back and forth. But at first, I was like, okay, of course you have to go with LeBron, but it really depends who else is going to be in it. And the fact they're bringing in Diana, I mean that that's that to me is what's going to make me go see the movie. I want to see Diana's personality going alongside LeBron. I think it's just going to be so much fun. I agree. I do think it's going to be fun and. Seeing Diana next to LeBron and, you know, have one goat next to the second greatest player of all time. Sorry, I had to do a dig at LeBron. I don't want to just bring this too far away from the WNBA. I'm just not excited about Space Jam. Like, people, like, it's iconic. Space Jam is an iconic movie, but it does not age well. And just because something's iconic, it doesn't make it great. I wonder what they're going to do. I have high hopes for like the animation being much better than what <laughs> what it was back when they they made Space Jam 2 or Space Jam 1, but I'm not Space Jam 1, not the greatest movie. I know that's like a hot take that a lot of people hate, but not not my favorite. I th- I think that if you ha- actually I I'll ask you this. Who do you th- like what do you think is going to be better? Space Jam 1 that people just they love and like they cherish or like you think that space jam 2 even has a chance of reaching the same level as space jam 1 i honestly believe space jam 2 will be better in today's day of storytelling and uh just movie making in general like you can just get better quality and that kind of stuff but at the same time as we've seen with remakes and reboots like once you push back against the original people push back even harder yeah so people are gonna re- they're not gonna receive it as well um I hope you're right, but let's tie this back to the sky. If you had to pick anyone on the sky to be in this movie, who would it be? It would be Cole Cabana. Um, I think he's 
Without what? being out, Courtney Vanderson. Okay. Make the case. Yeah, if, if you look at the roster for the last, for the first Space Jam movie, if you look at the roster for the first Space Jam movie, Muggsy Bones is the only point guard, <laughs> the only point guard that was featured in the movie. And if I'm saying, if you're looking at an upgrade, you want to upgrade from Space Jam 1 to Space Jam 2, you need a better point guard. I mean, we look at this team, everyone that got their power stolen, Muggsy Bogues, Larry Johnson, Patrick Ewing, Sean Bradley, Charles Barkley. You know, those players all got power stolen. And at the same time, I look at Muggsy and I say, okay, he was a very, very interesting case because he was a very short player but made a very good career of himself. At the same time, Courtney's a better point guard, period. I think if you put Courtney on the Chicago Bulls, he's the best point guard. <laughs> You're right. You're right. But at the, at the end of the day, give me Courtney Vanderslew there. athletic ability like we saw with that half that, uh, halftime buzzer beater. That, to me, was her audition tape. Like, that, to me, was the peak of her audition tape. She's in Space Jam 2, and I'm not saying if she's not. I know she, she's not, but, you know, <laughs> it's just another year of it. But um, if I had to pick one player, it would be Courtney, hands down. Wow. So I'm like one of the biggest Courtney Vandersloot stands out there. Like anyone who's listened to this show knows that. I don't think that her game really translates to what Space Jam 2 is really looking for here. I mean, like, I think she said it best. Like her game isn't what people look for in All-Stars as well. Like she said, like, that's why she thinks that she doesn't believe that she's made the All-Star team uh, more than once. And even then she was a reserve it's, I mean, she should be an all-star, but, like, just based on what she contributes to the game, I feel like basketball purists really respect her game more than, like, what the stats show. And I know that's crazy, again, because of, like, how, like, where she ranks all-time with all WNBA players. And she's incredible. And, again, I mystified her anytime I watch her live. I'm not sure that she's, this, like, again, I love the Muggsy, uh, Muggsy Bogues comparison and everything i'm just not sure that she is the person that really uh like in terms of the athleticism too i feel like they want to see like these people that can jump out of the gym but maybe i'm wrong i do like the courtney vanders the pick i think i'd personally go with steph dolson with this and just because of her attitude like she has a space jam attitude and i have no idea how to like like qualify someone having a space jam attitude but like based on like what I've, you see her on social media. She also has a fantastic social media handle. I think it's like Big Mama Steph. Like, oh, I would yeah. love to her, see her. Big Mama Steph. Follow her on Instagram. She's a great follower on Instagram, too. I'll have to do that as well. I think that, like, I don't know, just her whipping that out, like, maybe one, like her only line in that movie would be, like, that's how Big Mama Steph does it or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I would just love to see her work that in somehow. I think that she would be great. I think that Diamond would also be great. Like, just, I would just love to see, like, like diamond to shields dunks like and just have that like show her like show it from all different angles make that work somehow just fly through the sky like michael did in the first one i think she would be great um i'm not sure how everyone else translates though with it like and i'm still trying to like uh process this courtney vandersloot one but i think that i'm trying to sell myself on it again because i'm such a big fan but yeah i mean i think that's an interesting take um Actually, I want to pivot to something that's really important for the league, I feel like, and just some of the most recent news that come out today. I saw something today on Twitter about how the NBA is thinking about shortening its season to 72 games. And the reason I bring that up is that um, is that I think this actually is an opportunity for the WNBA. Because if the, let's just say that start date for, um, or like the end date, I guess, would be for the NBA were to be pushed back. Do you think that the WNBA would explore expanding its season two now that it might be able to have more of an audience because the NBA is not going to be, I mean, it's going to be 10 games less. I think that's what people were like, were vying for. Mm-hmm. No, it's, and that, that still is a full week or two. When you think about it, that's probably about, about a week and a half of NBA games. And, um, I, I think it's interesting. I think it'd be more interesting to consider where they shorten it. Is it shortened in October when they start the season or is it shortened near the end of the season, you know, in the April, May-ish kind of that whole time. But um, if it's, if they lock 10 games off in the fall, you know, the, the 
October, November-ish area, I'm full on, I'll be out there in the front of the line saying, okay, the NBA shortened this, you have to extend the W season. Because 30 games is not enough for this league, in my opinion. 30 games is not enough. You get so much you know, talent out there that's playing, and like you saw with Diana this year, when she gets hurt, she's out for six weeks, and she's out for virtually half the season. And if you extend that, if you extend that to another week and a half, you know, she's out there playing more. She's out there getting back in her game, getting comfortable. And you expand the playoff race. Who doesn't want more of a playoff race? So I'm out there. I'm picketing. And you extend that league season. You extend it into the fall. Because we need more of that. Like we saw last year. Okay, we, we have so many magical moments. But I mean, the mask Sue Bird coming out and slaying the Diana Trophy oh. Dragon was just phenomenal. It was like Bane coming to life, but I want more of that, and I think we get more of that if you extend the season. How likely do you think it is that they do this? Um, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I would say it's 30-70 right now in favor of not expanding it. Um, but then again, you never know. With the new commissioner taking over, I think there's a plethora of opportunities that to be had we just need to ask and explore them the new commissioner hasn't taken over yet so maybe with their first couple weeks on the job she is you know she's an advocate for this she's advocating for more stuff i'm really interested in seeing what she does and right now i put it at 30 uh, 30 70 just because i have no idea and i think it's really unlikely unless someone in the league comes out and pines for it i think they have to take advantage of this like you the WNBA doesn't get a ton of opportunities to take advantage of these. Like there would be a seismic change for the NBA if this were to happen. And you don't see a lot of things like that happen. And the correlation between the WNBA and NBA is so like just in terms of cause and effect for how one affects the other is so big for the WNBA. And like, I think that if they, the NBA were to ex- take back 10 seasons or 10 seasons, <laughs> 10 games would be, um, it would happen at the, I think they, they wouldn't mess with the start date because they don't want the NBA starting in November. I think that's kind of late for them. I think they would cut it back at towards the beginning of the WNBA season. There's so much that you can do. Like, I want more, like what you just said, with, like, Mask Sue Bird. Like, that was some of the most fun basketball I've ever watched, like, as a fan, ever. Like, it, the competition that was going on between those two was uh, unbelievable and you got to create more moments like that. And you can't create more moments like that when you don't have enough games in the season. Like 34 games is nothing. And you also, on top of that, if we look about the problem with league pass, we don't get to watch all of those games. Like we don't get to watch 34 WNBA games because of the blackouts. So you got to do something here to create more opportunity for the audience to expand and to keep the current audience like, interested in the league and if you give it more of a platform i just feel like there's there's something like that they it's something they just have to explore right now because i really feel like it would make a huge difference for the league and i feel like the players would be on board it's just less time having to travel overseas now i also don't know how that would work with their contracts over there as well and see i mean we also saw that ali quigley started um i mean she i think she only practiced for like a day or two in the preseason because of her ties with Italy and how that how long the season went in for her. And I think with Sloot as well. So I wonder how like the dynamic of that works, but long term if the NBA maybe it's not next season, maybe they do make the season out um maybe the NBA like they shorten the season in the next two, couple of seasons and then a couple of seasons after that happens, the WNBA is able to adjust when some of these contracts expire and there's be- and more flexibility is awarded to these players, but I don't know. I, I didn't really think about this going into the podcast, but or the show, I should say. But I just was curious about what your thoughts on that were. Um, do you know when Catherine Engelbert is going to be... She starts pretty soon, right? Like in the next couple of weeks? I believe it's, um, I believe it's sometime early July. I can't remember when. Either it's early or mid-July, but by the time the All-Star game rolls around, she will have had a couple of weeks you know, already on the job. So. Okay, I, th- I think that that sounds right, yeah. Because her contract expires, like... Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, her contract expires in early uh, early July. Um, Do you want to run down, though, like, some of the all-star picks, though? Like, uh, just 
lightning round. We have a couple minutes here. Do you want to just uh, early season all-stars? Who's going to make it to Vegas type thing? Yeah, sure. Shoot. Cool. So I'm just going to pull up the roster really quickly. Okay. So Courtney Vandersloot, is she going to be an all-star or is she going to be a snub? Uh, it's hard. My heart says she's an all-star. In all general common sense, she says she's an all-star, but... I don't think she makes it just because of, you know, what she said. Her her play is an all star game worthy, which is weird and dumb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I thought she was gonna be like a clear a clear cut all star. The numbers like they don't jump out to you again, but if she's snubbed, I might lose my mind on the show. So um just for WNBA, make sure that happens so that you save one person's sanity. Um, Allie Quigley, all-star or snub? All-star. She's always an all-star. Ever since she made it two years ago, there's no way you can't not put her in the game, especially if she's dropping 21 points per game. I agree. Diamond to Shields, all-star or snub? If you can get her, if you like like I mentioned before, if her lows are go from 3 of 15 to you know, 5 to 6 of 15, then she's an all-star in my opinion. That's double-digit points per game and not just, you know, 13, but we're talking like 15, 17 points per game. And she just needs a little more offensive consistency. If she gets that, she's in. Yeah, I think she made a good, she's made a good case for, you know, right now, with the sky being 6-4, and four, but I think voters might need to see a little bit more. Yeah, I just feel like if you have, if you're a top four team like the sky are right now, you got to reward someone. If you're not going to reward, reward Courtney for, like, um, having her be on the all-star team and... I mean, you probably have to put Diamond in that conversation. She's also pretty popular, so I think that I think she's actually going to make it. Um, yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a safe bet to say that Diamond makes it. Uh, just how dynamic she is offensively, it's something you really can't ignore. And if Allie can make it based on her three-point shooting, then Diamond's athleticism should be up in that conversation. I completely agree. Stephanie Dolson. Unfortunately, no. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, uh, I... I'd love to see her uh, her attitude. Uh, yeah, me too. I think I think Steph in Vegas would be it would be a match made in heaven, but um, it's just difficult considering the other amount of bigs in this league, like Brittany, Candace, uh, Asia Wilson. You know, it's hard to find a way to shoehorn in, her in there. Agreed. I mean, she's been incredibly important, and she's again. I think she at one point was leading the league in field goal percentage. Probably still not enough to get her to the all-star game but I, her in sin city be great. um yeah cheyenne parker she deserves this i will tell you she deserves this just because of how much better she's been playing this year as opposed to last year but um i don't think she makes just because she's that six that six woman off the bench um at the same time, I mean, you've seen every facet of her game approved. People have been talking about her as a front runner, if not a, a close second to, with six women of the year so far. But, you know, she's another personality I think would benefit from going to Vegas. But she wants, uh, I think she needs a little bit more um, stats. And she needs to put a little more on the paper in order to get to Vegas. Um, but at the same time, you know, she's done a phenomenal job and she deserves it with just how much she's improved so far. I agree with you. I think that's a really solid point about how it would be great for her to get to Vegas just so that she can just see herself amongst the best players in the league. I mean, I think that, I mean, we would see a second half surge from her. I mean, she is averaging like 10 and six right now or 10 and seven. I think she could do even better than that, especially if she's, she gets more playing time than the 19 minutes a game that she's getting right now. But Chris, we're a little bit low on time, so I'm not going to go through the rest of the players here on the list of potential all-stars for this guy. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up the podcast or anything that you want to plug? Honestly, uh, I don't have anything to plug yet. I'm still waiting, but hopefully the next time I talk to you, uh, I'll have something really solid to plug. I've got some stuff in the barrel, so uh, hopefully one day I'll have something to plug in the podcast and your show. Well, I'm excited for it. And Chris, you always have a place on the show, so Thank you so much for coming on, and yeah, I really appreciate it, man. It's always fun talking hoops with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's all I have for you, folks. Thanks so much for joining me on the sixth edition of the Skyhook. 
If you want to reach out to anyone involved with the show, you can email us at theskyhookmailbag at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on the radio, you can always find the archive version of this show on the Apple Podcast app or Podbean. Just type in the Skyhook Podcast and it'll come up. It'll be the first thing that pops up. You have been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. I'm your host, James K. And until next time, my friends. 